Welcome back to The Word at Work. My name is Kyle. Uh, it's a huge privilege to be with you guys today. And we are getting into the first lecture, really, of the Father in the book of Proverbs, or the first poem. It begins in verse 8 and goes all the way down to verse 19. Um, as I said in the previous video, uh, these first uh, nine chapters are highly motivational. They are trying to persuade us that uh, studying chapters 10 to 31 really are worth it. That the Proverbs of Solomon contain life-changing, life-transforming wisdom, um, and that the, the alternatives between wisdom and foolishness uh, really are life and death. And we're going to see some of those themes coming out in this very first poem. So if you have a Bible, why don't you open up to Proverbs chapter 1, and I'll read from verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Let's pray quickly. Father, as we come to your word now, we pray that you would help us to understand the nature of wisdom and the nature of folly. More than that, we pray that you would help us to choose the way of wisdom. Amen. In this first lecture from uh, the, the father, to, uh, really from the, the parents to the child, uh, we see crucial, crucial insights into the nature of both wisdom and folly. These are things that are going to come up again and again in the book, and they really prepare us, as I said, for chapters 10 to 31. Um, firstly, let's consider the nature of wisdom. You see that there in verse 8 and 9. Notice the opening command to hear and to not forsake. Um, the instruction and the teaching that is coming from the father and the mother to the son. Now, when wisdom comes towards you, it doesn't initially look attractive. It comes in the form of instruction and it comes in the form of teaching. Uh, if you've ever been on the receiving end of instruction and teaching, you know that it is hard work. You've got to pay attention, much like you're doing right now, hopefully, uh, listening to this and, and trying to follow along. So when wisdom first comes at you, it comes in that form. It's not initially attractive, but look at what it does in verse 9. The wisdom that comes through instruction and teaching um, ends up bringing both honor and beauty into your life. It this teaching and instruction becomes a graceful garland for your head, a sign of uh, social status, uh, honor, success, and it's a grace, uh, a pendant for your neck. It's a sign of beauty and attractiveness. In other words, although the path to wisdom is difficult, it involves learning, growing, being corrected, uh, being trained, in the end, it brings enormous, wonderful, beautiful benefits. If you want to have a life where you are experiencing the fruit of wisdom, you need to give yourself to instruction. That's, that's, the, that's the thing, that 
Wisdom initially does not look attractive, but in the end, it yields a wonderful, wonderful harvest. That's one thing we've got to keep in mind as we continue on in the book. That brings us, though, to the nature of folly. And here's the thing. Wisdom doesn't initially look attractive, but in the end has a wonderful harvest. Folly, on the other hand, initially does look attractive, but in the end, its harvest is destructive. So take a look at verse 10 with me. Well, when sinners come to entice uh, the youngster, uh, it initially looks attractive because essentially what they're offering the youngster is material gain and a sense of belonging without all of the hard work involved in normal toil, <laughs> right? So verse 19 elaborates on that. These people are greedy for gain, greedy for gain. And, and, and what that shows us is that part of folly is wanting the outcome without the process. I want material gain, I want benefits, but I, I, I'm not prepared to go through the, the, the normal process, the God-glorifying process of diligence and hard work and labor and toil and sweat. What I want, I want all the fruits of that, I want the gain without the pain. And not only am I offered a material gain, there's also a sense of solidarity and community that is in this uh, invitation uh, given to the son. Um, there is a sense of, of teamwork. There's a sense that, hey, this is a really attractive offer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get social approval. I'm going to get material advantage. I'm going to throw my lot in with this group. And together, we are going to prosper. And it's going to be fun, and it's going to be easy, and it's going to be exciting. So can you see that when folly comes towards you, it looks attractive? Can you notice the difference here between wisdom and folly? When wisdom comes towards you, it comes in the form of teaching and instruction. It doesn't look attractive. Folly looks beautiful. It's enticing. That's exactly why the Father says, prepare yourself for that temptation, because when it comes, it looks good. It looks good, but in the end, what happens? It has a boomerang effect. And this is something that's profoundly true of all kinds of folly. What do I mean by a boomerang effect? Well, if you know a boomerang, it's, it's, it's something you throw out uh, away from yourself. You, you throw it out into the world, but it, it curves and eventually comes back to you. And that's what folly does. The destructive nature of folly in the end uh, comes home to roost. And in verse 18, we're told that these people in the end lie in wait for their own blood. They sit in ambush for their own lives. That in the end, foolishness just doesn't pay. In the short term, it's attractive. In the long term, it's destructive. And there's a very graphic image in verse 17 that highlights the utter folly of sinfulness. He says, you can never lay a trap for a bird in front of the bird. <laughs> Even the bird would recognize it's a trap. But what these people do is they lay a trap for their own lives themselves and then they fall into the trap. Uh, how, how bird-brained could you be? You know, how ridiculous and stupid, really, is folly? Although it looks attractive, in the end, it is absolutely destructive. And so the moral of the story is very simple. Those who are greedy for unjust gain fall into this temptation and it looks easy, it looks attractive, it looks enticing, in the end, 
it reaps a bitter reward. And there are two big themes that will come up again and again in the first nine chapters. The shortcuts towards money and the shortcuts towards sexual pleasure. These two things again and again will, will come under the father and mother's teaching and they'll say, listen, there are good things for you to enjoy in God's world, but you've got to do them in God's way. And the essence of folly is wanting these good things uh, without doing them God's way, wanting a shortcut, wanting the easy way. In the end, it actually brings more pain into your life. So what's the application for us? I think the first application is don't choose the shortcut. You know, Proverbs holds out here in verse 8 and 9 the goodness of social honor and praise and attractiveness in your life. These are good things that the author of Proverbs assumes you want. These are good things to want. What he's saying is that folly will make it attractive to take the shortcut, but it'll never work. It's not just wrong, it's stupid and you shouldn't do it. But it looks attractive, which is why we often do do it. And so there's a huge warning, don't take the shortcut. I think the second big application connected to this is embrace the discipline of growing in wisdom. Embrace the discipline of regularly going to God's word, hearing from God, being corrected by God's word, being corrected by friends and family and your church community and your pastors around how to grow, how to learn, how to make progress in your life. We need to submit to the teaching and instruction and correction of those around us if we're going to grow into wisdom. So that's the first lecture. Beware of the boomerang effect of folly. It looks attractive in the end. It comes back and reaps destruction in our lives. Contrastingly, wisdom, while it initially looks more difficult in the end, will reap a beautiful harvest in your life, bringing both success and honor. Thanks for watching this episode. Uh, I'll look forward to joining you in the next one where we take a look at how to grow in wisdom.